Blog Talk Radio. Grace and peace to our listening audience. We are kicking off this Monday Money Talk with the Black Money Team. Our guest is Mr. Bill English. Now, we'll bring you up to speed and give you a little background before we get going in full force here. We do want you to know that what a great place to be in, the mere fact that you are surrounded with, uh, shall I say, the brilliance of this black money team that has your business interests at heart, not family business, but the business that either you work for or that you run and operate from upstart entrepreneurs to established business business owners, operators, etc. We've got some information that we want to, again, bring to your attention because whenever we bring a guest to the table and they bring us exciting insight, we always like to make sure that somewhere along the pathway, we confirm that information, and that's exactly what our goal is today. Now, let me open up the mics to our Black Money team, and uh, we have Dr. Lois Foreman, Jr., and also Lydia Iniosa. Lydia, go ahead and greet everyone. Good morning. Happy Monday. Today is the day of the eclipse. Today is Black Monday, Black Money Monday. And if you don't have a paper and pen handy, get one handy because you're going to hear something on this show that you're going to write down uh, because it's either interesting, important, it affects you. But uh, I have not had one show where I haven't had something that that made the light bulb go off. So Apostle Barber and Dr. Lloyd, thank you very much for this show. All right. Go ahead, Dr. Foreman. Uh, Good morning, listening audience. We are so excited to have you here with us today. And uh, as usual, we're going to uh, make sure that you have the tools, you have the tips, you have the techniques to be able to keep your money in the black and to be able to design your financial future the way that you want to. So we're excited today to have our special guest and other guests with us today. And we're just going to get into the business today of your business. So, uh, again, greetings from Dr. Lois, New Vision Faith Center, Joseph Business School, Twin Cities Construction Collaborative. We're out to help you get it like the way you want it. Let's do this. Our guest, Mr. Bill English, is not uh, in queue yet, but I'm sure that uh, he will be with us momentarily. Uh, Lydia Iniosa, tell us what's happening at uh, mm, Cultural Connections, and I do believe our guest uh, has joined us, but just very quickly so that because when we say Cultural Connections, most don't know quite what that means, so go ahead and do that. Cultural Connections is a uh, has a two-pronged focus, and on the surface it seems like they're not very related. Um, 
the first prong, which is super important to this show, is internship, mentorship, apprenticeship, developing the talent pipeline, making sure that business has the talent that they need when they need it, uh, not just short-term but also long-term, and that um, uh, the skills gap that this country has doesn't grow as big and nasty as it's forecasted to grow. On the other side of that, there's helping folks with their English pronunciation if those folks happen to be foreign-born because there's times when the way we sound can hold us back in our careers and we don't advance the way we should. In a nutshell, that's it. All right. Perfect timing. Mr. Bill English is with us and Absolutely. I can introduce him, but I want Dr. Foreman to go ahead and do so. Uh, good morning, Brother Bill, and thank you for joining us this morning. Again, listening audience, you are so um, blessed this morning to be able to have this great um, person uh, with us this morning. Uh, Bill is a very, very, very uh, seasoned businessman. Uh, for a number of years, he also served in corporate executive capacities, as well as being a committed community leader and advocate. Uh, his current role um, in the Northside Job Creations Team to really begin to transform the business community of North Minneapolis and have an impact throughout these Twin Cities is why he's a guest today. And so he's going to be able to bring us some information, bring us some insights, give us an in-depth uh, overview of the landscape that we are uh, approaching, and also to be able to hopefully plan and strategize our way to develop this landscape the way that we want it to so that, again, uh, we keep our money in the black uh, as individuals, that the black community money is in the black and that we are accomplishing all that we set out to accomplish. So uh, good morning. Welcome, uh, Brother Bill, and we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Well, it's a pleasure always to join these uh, broadcasts because, um, I mean, they bring important information to the community. And thank you for that kind introduction. I'm not uh, I'm not sure that I, uh, I consider myself a, a servant leader and um, and. I do what I I pay. I'm paying it forward for those who came before me. So I I appreciate the accolades, but um, I'm just a servant of uh, a God fearing servant leader, and I I think it's my responsibility to do everything I can to help lift up the poor. Amen. Amen. All uh, right. All right. We did. I, let me say this, may we definitely, because the, uh, there are two uh, of you, and we want to definitely salute your queen and uh, whatever you'd like to say in reference to her. And uh, I know she's been right there with you every step of the way, uh, as in so many uh, couples. And, and I, I don't ever want to be remiss at that for husband and wife teams, uh, because uh, how would we do it? So, Bill. Uh, go ahead. Well, first of all, my wife, uh, my wife Freddie, uh, is uh, uh, Davis English. Is first of all a committed um, community servant leader as well, and she has she's been at the forefront of um, working uh, to uh, bring fairness and equity and rehabilitation of uh, kids of color, in particular, youth in general around. Uh, community in the, the juvenile justice system. So she Absolutely. there as she even served as superintendent of juvenile detention center. Uh but she's been a now strong advocate for uh for kids of color in the correction system. She serves on the uh, uh juvenile justice advisory committee where she's helping get rid of some of the disparities in my uh disproportionate minority engagement with, with the, the juvenile justice system. She's also set, uh, she set on the Federal Home Loan Advisory Board for Affordable Housing. So she's just been a committed servant as well and and um, a joy to be around. I've learned as much from her as um, perhaps uh, she's been able to absorb a little from me. Uh, but, we, we again, we both are committed 
to serving our community in ways in which our faith leads us. All right. Give her uh, our uh, our hellos, et cetera, but also let her know, look at her calendar. We need to get her to the table on uh, the business of Monday Money Talk and the Black Money Team simply because you hit a very tender spot and a very special spot in the hearts of myself, uh, Dr. Foreman, and also Ms. Lydia Inioso, along with Mr. Michael Lopez, as it relates to uh, the next generation workforce. And that's a hot topic, and uh, we don't want to wait until they are older. We want to speak into their lives now, but also the impact is going to come from the business owner. And so if we can get them to begin to think this way now instead of later, and that's a, this, this conversation that we will have with her will definitely be one that I believe is going to get the attention of our youth. Uh, that age group of 14 to 21 right in there. And so let her know to look at her calendar, and we will follow up with her. All right, let's go ahead and delve in here. And um, uh, Dr. Foreman, you know, you and I have talked, and and along with uh, uh, Lydia, as it relates to when, when, Bill English was with us previously. He he always brings such insight, and he knows our heart as it relates to what's happening to our businesses and those business owners who look like us, and and that's our priority. And so he brought uh, two names and company names to the table as it relates to them making a move to bring their business into uh, Minneapolis uh, and uh, also their hiring uh, as well as their employee force uh, definitely got our attention uh, because these were our two business owners that are functioning and serious about impacting the employment uh, force, the employee force. And so Dr. Foreman, go ahead. Let's let's get this going and get this update. Amen. Good morning again, uh, and uh, Brother Bill. Again, we you know honor your work that you're doing as a servant leader in the community to be able to help businesses to um, take to get uh, market share to be in place to be able to. Um, you know, bring businesses there. And uh, you mentioned two. One was a, uh, I believe, a seafood type of um, situation. No, no, they are. No, no. They were, they were a, one is a transportation company. The other one is a food right. processing company. And they do, uh, food processing. it's called Coof Cut, Cut Food. It's, it's called Cut Fruit. Uh, Express and they are yes. located in uh, Invergrove Heights. It's a thirty million dollar company, uh, possibly one hundred thirty employees, and they are moving very close to closing the deal to um, to uh, have a new facility built at forty six forty. I'm sorry, at forty five hundred Washington Avenue in North Minneapolis. Um, and they will employ over 130, 140 people. May I ask this? Let, let, let me ask this. The last conversation you were at the table with us on, you were a little bit concerned about the fact that you had mentioned the address. And so it just was fluid coming out of you today. So we like the sounds of that, and hats off to that organization. So what is it going to take? As you said, they're, they're right on that brink of finalizing, but the, 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 the location is secured. So you know what? We just want to applaud that. Uh, that's exciting, absolutely exci- exciting. Go ahead, sir. Well, first of all, we also know that the transportation company has already opened its facilities at 4640 Lindale. Uh, they are they are at, they are currently seeking employees, um, uh, qualifications, high school diploma, um, a clean driving record, um, 
no history of a misdemeanor or felony, and um, and those jobs pay over seventeen dollars an hour and benefits. And they um, they're in the process of recruiting seventy people. They'll be driving school buses. They uh, they uh, they teach you to get your uh, class C license. They provide on the job training uh, and and uh, and driver training um, on site at their own facility. You don't have to worry about going anywhere to get your license, and they will transport you to their facility in um, in uh, friendly. I should also tell you it's not an un, uh, it's a well kept secret, but I think and say this: they are also looking for a spot in North or near North to move their entire facility from Fridley. and that employ over two hundred right. people. Employ over two hundred people, so we're in the process. Nice doing the groundwork to try to find some sites. But they're already open, and they're busy hiring as we speak. So uh, to your listening audience, anyone looking for a job with those qualifications should reach out to Metropolitan Transportation Network at 4640 Lindale, and uh, they'll find a willing uh, person um, there to help them um, get their application, quick background check, and then start their training. Uh, All right, so we're not talking about, let let me just say this for those that are listening so they don't get too uh, confused, because it can happen. We're not talking about uh, the organization Metro Transit. We're talking about, say it again, let's be real clear, let's say that name once again. It's Metropolitan Transportation Network, and it is Transportation Network. Right, MTN. If you look closely at some of the school buses, you will often see Metropolitan Transportation Network, or MTN. <laughs> all right. Excuse me. This is a. That's all right. It's a black-owned company, and then. <laughs> Excuse me. Caught me one of my coughing spells. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, but anyway, for um, they employ over 200 people uh, now. Um, so, yes, they're up there and they're operating. But I I was under the impression this morning, and perhaps, Dr. Foreman, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I was under, under the impression this morning you all wanted me to discuss a little bit about, since we got the upcoming elections, the political environment for improving um, the opportunity for black-owned businesses and the turning over of the dollar in our own community and how can our community get engaged to ensure that we have appropriate representation? Because let me just be... And you are absolutely correct. We want you to do that. But that background, I'm telling you, you added value to the previous fact that you brought that absolute important information of bringing those two businesses to this platform. And the mere fact that they're moving forward is what people are exhilarated about and get excited about. So, yes, we've got to have that piece, too. So now we take care and help the business as they're moving forward as equally so. So let's engage. Well, certainly, and, and uh, I think I should give them a bit of background of uh, how things happen. One of the problems that we discovered when, because our goal was to bring a thousand living wage jobs to North Minneapolis by 2019. Uh, now we're well on the way to that. Um, if we count the jobs, and most people would agree that I, myself and some others were were very responsible for Minneapolis Public Schools headquarters being relocated to its current site in North Minneapolis. I mean, we worked hard to get that done, and it has paid off because now Minneapolis Public Schools have over 300 employees who have who live in the five North Minneapolis zip codes. So just think about that. These are good-paying jobs with benefits, but they've hired over 300 people from those five zip codes. So that's a blessing, and not only that they've stimulated that corridor, but more importantly, I want to talk about the fact that one of the difficulties we have is in locating 
uh, jobs and companies in North Minneapolis is the lack of industrial space and land. Now, one thing we can't reinvent because God gave it to us is land. And North Minneapolis has been over-residentialized and over-commercialized so that from an industrial to real good-paying jobs, um, they don't have any spots to go. And so it's been very difficult for us to find these locations. Um, and I guess it's, it's been a blessing that we were able to find the spot at 4640 Lindell. And thanks to the work of Thor Construction, we found the light, the the the, um, the uh, land at 4500 Washington, which they're negotiating for right now to place Cut Food Express there. And that'll be a uh, 50,000 square foot facility. Um, um, at, uh, and hopefully will open in the spring of 2019. That's that's the goal. So we want to get it done, if not earlier. Uh, if they want to break ground this fall. So those are the things that are going on. But as I said, we have to talk about the landscape. You uh, you you mentioned the landscape. The landscape is not healthy. Uh, let me give you a specific example. If you every community that's successful, if you look at Northeast, you can see uh, a lot of healthy businesses, which means the dollar turns over in Northeast four to five times. Now economists say that if a dollar turns over less than four or five times in a community, that community will remain uh, on the low end of the poverty scale. Why am I I'm not railing against commercial jobs? Uh, because those jobs also offer out opportunity for people. But most of those are low wage jobs, retail are low wage jobs. We're trying to bring living wage jobs. So having a business park in a community is important. When I say a business park, it's like clean industrial work, advanced manufacturing, uh, food processing. Uh, the transportation. These are all not smokestack jobs. These are jobs that don't impact the environment, and uh, they also all provide living wage jobs. Well, there's a lack of those spaces. Uh, the current uh, alderman, the council person, we had talked. Uh, we had some researchers identify the site just north of Kemp's, up to 26th Street, as a perfect spot. If you look. State North as the crow flies. Those several blocks between where Kemp's is located, straight ahead, just one block, and all the way up to 26, you'll find there's about 30, uh, 40 homes. Only about 25% of them will be considered suitable housing. The rest of them could be torn down and replaced within near North Minneapolis. There are over 300 vacant lots that are in North Minneapolis that could, those homes could be there and not put anyone out of a house, affordable housing. Uh, so we went to the council person, and um, he said to us, um, that's too heavy a lift. That's $25 million. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean it's too heavy a lift? He said, well, we can't afford to do invest $25 million. And I looked at him and I said, do, do not consider me as ignorant, sir. I said, first of all, you, we are talking about a city that has AAA credit, can bond for anything it wants. And those bonds can be spread out over a number of years and paid for, just like they do for many other parts of this community. They've invested in that. They're doing it uh, along the riverfront. Uh, but that's three years out. That's another three years. We can't afford to wait. we got the highest African-American unemployment in the nation. And we are dingling around saying $25 million was too much of an investment. And I looked at him and said, um, are you, uh, you really don't care about our community. Because if you did, you would be fighting to get the city to bond for that. And what's the risk? 
if not a single employer located, the city would still own the land. And that land, as we all know, is so clearly within the eyesight of the skyline of North Minneapolis, of downtown Minneapolis. It's a wonderful spot. And so you get, if it's, if it's within, within support and advocacy, we could have acquired that site, had a business park, and we could have attracted more jobs and more companies. The, the State Department of Economic Development tells us they need about seven to eight months to turn around uh, for a company who says, I'm interested in relocating. They have to be able to be shovel-ready and ready to go within seven to eight months. So that's why we wanted to have a business park right there. Think about the trouble that uh, FedEx and others are having out there in Shakopee where they have to transport workers <clears throat> on bus all the way out to Shakopee and back. Now, that's good because they're uh, that's good because uh, the people at least can get to work. But if we're going to have that money turn over in our community, then we really need to have some jobs and businesses in our community. And so that, that's why it's so important as we've got these upcoming elections that your, your listening audience and your, your leaders, your faith leaders, have to, now I'm not taking playing partisan politics, but you need to be able to understand what are the issues facing us, how these people who want to run for office and represent us, where they stand on those issues. So I'm part of a planning group uh, to start planning at least uh, uh, forums, uh, educational forums and uh, forums on election and debates uh, among the mayor candidates uh, uh, as the election season starts up here in September, getting close to November, we will be holding forums in the 4th, the 5th, and the 8th Ward in particular, because those communities generally represent heavy uh, African-American population and the mayor's race. And so uh, we're gathering um, some of the uh, faith leaders, some of the nonprofit leaders, to lay the plans out for this. And, um, and so I'll be happy to share with you uh, as these unfold. And, uh, and uh, while it's uh, focused on Minneapolis, Dr. Foreman, we also think St. Paul should be doing the same thing. And you have the capacity to help organize those kinds of forums and debates that go on in St. Paul. And, uh, and, and so we'd be happy to work with you uh, in doing that. And so, uh, Apostle, we want to talk about. I welcome that. Yeah, well, uh, we want to talk about uh, engaging your audience, your listening audience, and your the members of our various churches and mosques to understand that and that who represents you is important, and getting where they stand uh, on issues and forcing them to tell you why they do certain things. I also can tell you this. Um, there's an effort going on, and we're going to demand that that happen, and we need to speak out. We're asking that the street, uh, as we, as the new Estes Chapel, as the new Estes Chapel is being built, and that's going to be starting very soon, early next year, because, as you know, the Thor building, and we should give praise to them as well, is going up fairly fast now. And that, as soon as that parking ramp is built, then the parking lot will be where Estes will move. Well, I know from talking to Mrs. Estes that um, she went to council, the council member um, and asked him, since Estes has been on Plymouth Avenue for more than 50 years, in one, on one, in one of two spots, how about naming that one block for her former, the deceased uh, brother Richard Estes? Um, and uh, the council member Yang told her, I'll give him a day, but I won't give him a street. I thought the gall of that man to tell us that he would give him a day. First of all, it's not his purview. That those differences about the council or the mayor. But he would not give him a street. <clears throat> uh, is, is an insult. 
And that's why it's important for us to get representation. I think you should all know, uh, with the exception of a new immigrant, we haven't had a black city council person since not an African-American city councilman. Well, I even, I, even he was not a uh, <clears throat> an African-American. He was an um he would consider himself that, but he was actually born in Jamaica and was a naturalized citizen. Um, um, but uh, Don Samuels, um, and Don did a decent job. And, 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 uh, but I'm saying, in terms of African-American, we have not had one on the city council for many, many years since Brian Aaron left, left the council. So taxation without representation is a serious issue. We don't have anyone on the county commission. We don't have anyone on. Uh, we only have. We do have two state senators right now, and um, both one from North Minneapolis, one from South Minneapolis. Um, but that's no more than it was 50 years ago. We had we had a black senator from St. Louis Park, and we had a black uh, representative, uh, Ray Pleasant, from Richfield. So in, in 50 years, we still don't have any. Well, uh, I said, excuse me for getting. Uh, Representative Rena Moran. We've added one person, uh, her, in 50 years. So our politically, we've not grown, even though our population has tripled. And so I call attention to this again. Elections matter. Voting matters. We need to understand what ranked choice voting means. We cannot afford to rank choice. Right now, we got, we got three African-American candidates and running against the incumbent, a blonde gang. Now, think about the last time when he won, the first time. We did the same thing. We split the black vote, and he walked into office. Now, we need to ask ourselves, are those three candidates doing us any service by running for office? <clears throat> what's going to happen is we're going to split our vote three ways, and then we're going to end up with the same person rep- walking in because their community is going to vote in one vote, and they're not going to – we should understand ranked choice voting. We don't believe that ranked choice voting works in our interest. You give your other candidates second and third choice, then they get a vote and in a close race those second and third place votes could elevate them to the top. We have to do what's called bullet voting. So we only vote once for the person we want to reel the whole that the whole that office. So I don't care what side of political spectrum you're in. As a community that's underserved, we have to understand how we can educate our community on these things. And that's why <clears throat> <clears throat> These forums are so important, and it's the political. All right. It's the government that guides the economic development of our community, and without political support and government support, it makes those jobs very, very difficult. Okay, let's do this, uh, Bill English. Two points. We want to just make sure that the clarity is permeating and uh, that uh, our listeners, and you are right on point, our numbers are soaring here, and I'm I'm pleased with what is happening. And we are empowered when we get information from credible individuals such as yourself, and uh, sometimes the tide can change. But let's let's just park right here just for a moment. Number one, we've got three... um, black females running in different wards. Number one, we've got Raisha Williams running Ward 5. She's been on the broadcast. We've had all three here. And uh, we're also going to do a, a, a forum with the mayoral candidates, and so we're working on that right now because we're not going to let our listening audience say they didn't know. All right, then we have Tiffany Flynn Forslund. Tiffany Flynn Forslund, Ward 6. And then we have Samantha Lee Priestenson, Ward 3. All right, so those women are running. These are black women that are running. And as far as 
when you made reference to rank choice. Help the audience understand that. Just lay that picture out, and then we'll move on. Before you do that, as it relates to Councilman Blon Yang, we understand what is going to happen there if we don't do what is necessary. The mere fact, and, and, and here's the thing, when we don't do our homework and talk with folks that are talking with our candidates, such as what we are doing, then we don't really have the true essence of who these people really are. And the other thing that from a media entity standpoint, when we fail to bring that information to the table as exactly as it was said out of their mouths, then they have to at that point either validate it or, you know, take it back, rescind on it. And so to hear that you had this dialogue or, or, or you got the information that an individual said that they made a suggestion, really brought it as do the right thing. This, this, this name is etched in the fabric of North Minneapolis. And I wasn't born in North Minneapolis, so I, you know, I don't have to root for it. But my point is it is a cultural investment of the Estes family that – the mere fact that Blonde Yang, has he not done his homework? Um, is there, you know, why would you make a response such as I'll give a day? You know, this, this doesn't make sense whatsoever. And so to hear this from you now, then the community needs to hear clearly that this is what Blonde Yang is opposing, opposing. Why wouldn't that corridor get that, that, you know, that symbolism, that street name. What is the, I mean, what is the issue? What is the conflict? And that's what I want to know from Blonde Yang. What is the conflict? What is the roadblock that would keep you from doing that unless you're holding back to name it, uh, you're hoping that you'll get uh, voted in again, elected again, and thereby maybe you've got a name you're sitting on. Well, we can't just let that go. We can't let that go. All right, so those two points, go ahead. Uh, the rank choice, and then uh, you can go ahead and say what you want to say about uh, what I just said in reference to Blonde Yang's response to that person, and then go back to the rank choice. Please well, I just I will summarize it by simply saying this: It's not his decision to make; it's the community's decision. And um, the fact is, we already have um, uh, um, uh, one street named Van White Parkway um, that cuts across, and that's honoring his work as the first Black City Council person. So there's nothing wrong with naming streets after after that uh, after people, and so. It was only going to be that one block. It would be it still be Plymouth from the, from the zip code, but it would also be called Richard Estes, uh, Richard Estes Way, and it's just honoring the people who have given so much to our community. We have to celebrate, and so that history then will be there permanent for generations who come back with one. Well, who was Richard Estes? And, what did he contribute to the community? Why is it named after him? I mean, we got all over the country today. The rage is going on in this country about honoring and statutes and honoring um, people who committed treason against the United States. And so names have historic importance, and they also have a significant uh, response to the contribution. So there, as you know, there's been a fever in, in Minneapolis about whether well, Lake Calhoun should, should get go back to its original Indian name, because Calhoun was a Southerner that believed in segregation and slavery. So um, there's already discussion going on in this community. So it's right for us to name uh, to honor our our people, our 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 heroes, our elected officials. It's important to, to honor them as well. So we finally got a bust of Mayor Sharon Sales Belton put in uh, City Hall, the first black woman, first black and the first woman to be mayor of Minneapolis. 
and we got finally got a bus, but we had to pay. With that bus came out of the pockets of donors. Okay, not a nickel from the government was spent on that bronze bus. So, and it's it's all right, but it doesn't cost anything to name a street or a block after Richard Estes. So that was his response. <clears throat> our response to it is, <clears throat> well, we'll wait and see how you tell our community why you took that position during these um, forums and these <clears throat> candidate issue discussions. That question is going to come up, and you're going to have to defend it. And in the meantime, we're going to get a petition going to name that street and take it to the city council and demand that it be done. That's the action we need. All right, today. now. <clears throat> now, now, Lydia and uh, Dr. Uh, Lois Foreman Jr. Uh, you know, if you want to just tag on that just quickly, so that we can get back to the understanding of the ranked choice. Yes, to our listeners, you are listening to. For those of you that are just chiming in, our guest is Mr. Bill English, as well as uh, our commentators and co-hosts are with me, and uh, that is Dr. Lois Foreman Jr. and Ms. Lydia. And we're you're you're listening, and I know that this has got your attention, but we've got to go beyond that because uh, you know Bill English made a point. He said, um, "Blind Yang, well, any council person will say, and they will, especially when they are really uh, astute at knowing what their job entails. They work for the people. The people don't work for them." And so when he said it is not Blonde Yang's or any council person's, they can make their suggestions, but their voice ought to be the voice of the people. So many don't want to do the boots on the ground. And so how does this fit from a business model standpoint? You'll understand that by the time we close this show today and as you listen back as equally so, even impacting businesses that come into your communities, whether for or against them coming into your communities, you have the voice, point blank. There is no question about that. All right, so, uh, uh, you know, Foreman, go ahead. Do you want to make a comment here? His mic may be on mute. Lydia, do you want to make a comment right now? Thank you, yes. Um, Mr. English, I love everything you said. You, you're very uh, very to the point, very no-nonsense, and it's all very true. And the bottom line is when the economy is good, it doesn't hurt anyone. But um, uh, I, I would think that most of you guys are familiar with the guy Simon Sinek that is trying to get business to, uh, to act right and by by extension, be more profitable. And one of the things that he always says is, if you don't know people, you can't. You don't know business. If you treat your people well, then your business will will grow. And th- this guy, for whatever reason, he's lost sight of the fact that respect is a reciprocal item. In order to get it, you have to give it. Um, and like you said, we can't run around making things partisan. Uh, uh, I'm Hispanic, so I'm not going to vote for a Hmong street. I'm Hmong, so I'm not going to vote for an African-American street. We need to get past that. We, we all belong to one race, the human race. And aside from that, you know, that's it. When one person wins, we all win. I would agree. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I, let me check with Dr. Foreman. You're back. And I do need to say this to my commentators. I said, you know what, we're going to do a short show this morning. Uh, but as you see, we are plowing ahead. And so, uh, commentators, if you have to remove yourself, feel free to do so. I understand that. But we want to seal this deal right here in the wisdom that is necessary to engage a community and break us out of those um, capitalized areas that are, you really don't know what you're really doing when you make the wrong move because you're trying to make something happen simply because the person is black, okay? So we want to make sure that they're 
doing the right thing in the position for the right reason, and, you know, they have quality and the history of uh, doing the right thing against all odds, no matter what, even if they're standing alone. So, uh, Dr. Foreman, do you want to chime in very just very quickly, and then we'll give it back to uh, Bill English so that he can lay out the choice ranking? Uh, because businesses, you need to understand, uh, you've got a lot at stake here, whether you know it or not, because the voice of the people is what's important. Go ahead. Well, just like you said, and everybody said so far, the voice of the people is tremendously important, and we need to have people who are sensitive, hearing the voice of the people, who are able to respond to that. You know, as Bill said, you know, government legislation creates the opportunities that we walk into or can block those opportunities. So uh, I'm excited about the field of candidates that we have right now that are coming up uh, as we interviewed them a few months ago, very um, intelligent, articulate, aware of the issues that are facing the various wards um, in the community and are willing to stand up, like you said, the Apostle, and do the right thing. So, um, you know, Brother Bill, if you can elaborate again on that ranked choice, but also, again, just really make it crystal clear for everybody, again, how those government uh, officials, how those um, legislators, how those people who get a chance to sit at the table where um, bills and orders uh, get passed, how they really impact the outcome of what actually really happens in our communities. Well, certainly, and um, again, I think it's very important to just recognize that, I'm sorry, that, that it is important that, first of all, too many of our ancestors died to gain access to the ballot. We all know that. We all know that. And now for us not to exercise that vote uh, is ridiculous. So we need to make sure people understand voting is important, first of all. How you vote is your own business. Uh, But it's important to be educated on where these people who want to get you to vote for them, where they stand. So let's examine the whole concept of ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting is a European model um, that has been tried in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. I think it's going to be tried in St. Paul as well, um, where we elect city officials based on ranked choice. Um, And ranked choice voting allows you to pick your first, second, and third candidate. So it is the combination of the first, second, and third votes that wins the the um, um, that is nominated for the race. Um, ranked choice voting allows you to then. Um, so when you, you when you actually don't bullet vote, you're actually giving your opponents the person you don't. Whoever you you rank second and third, you're actually giving them a vote, whether you like it or not. And if they get more second-place votes and, and third-place votes and first-place votes, then they will move to the top. So ranked-choice voting is not the, the panacea we think it is, particularly in underserved communities. Now, if you're a member of the broader community, uh, the majority community, then that's, that's probably a good thing. Uh, ranked-choice voting doesn't hurt you. Uh, but uh, because you're well represented, ranked choice voting can stop us from holding a seat on the city council unless we're very careful. So we need to understand ranked choice voting, and in these forums we will be discussing that. I continue to ask, uh, urge all of the uh, public commentators to, to to invite the experts in to talk about ranked choice voting. Ask uh, our senators and our our state representative, what they think of, of ranked choice voting and where they stand on it. Because political leadership is important at this time, as is faith leadership. And I think the faith community has to get out. I was, uh, get your members and your constituents to actually be sure they register and vote. So it's all incumbent on all of us to organize our community, to participate in the electoral process, and make sure we understand where they stand on our issues and where they stand, uh, and they understand that ranked choice voting 
may not be best for your candidate because you're giving those you want the second or third place, you're giving them an opportunity to, to displace your candidate that you, you really want. So we call it bullet ballot. We only give one vote. You vote for who you think should hold that office and don't give the other candidates a chance uh, to, to uh, they get more second and third place votes than you. And they end up um, outranking your, your, your choice. So stick with your choice. That's our position right now. And uh, ranked choice voting um, in the mayor's race, same way. I, if you're going to vote, vote for who you think is going to vote and don't glue that second or third choice because it may not serve your candidate very well. So it's, it's to think carefully about these things. It's enough. It's important to vote, but it's also important to vote smart. And that's without taking any side. I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans or liberals or conservatives. I'm talking about vote your conscience, but make an informed vote. Know where these candidates stand on these issues, and and make them demand and demand that they respond to your question. What are you doing to create economic development in these communities that have large concentrations of people of color? And in um, what are you doing to encourage and improve that? What are you doing to recognize how they are serving your community's interests? in preserving your culture. Communities are not developed by individuals. Communities are developed by institutions. And in that instance, we need to build up our institutions. Our institutions in the black community, the most predominant institution we own, exercise, and control is our churches and our mosques. That's all. Okay? Those are the institutions. Now, we run some great nonprofits. And it's a Bethany, which I have found, and the Minneapolis Urban League. These are great institutions. They need to be at the. They need to be flourishing uh, and flourishing instead of begging. They had their budget cuts by the United Way, and ours is the most needy community. Their budgets got cut. Well, a ten percent cut to Catholic charities, which is huge, is not a big impact. An impact of ten percent to the Urban League means they got to get rid of the very people who know how to serve our community. These are the things that are going on in our community that we need to be aware of. And so, yes, voting counts matters, but economic development will not occur if you do not have adequate political representation and you get your fair share of public investments. The reason Northside exists the way it is today is because it has suffered from benign neglect. Benign neglect, or I call it overt neglect. There's been a, a, a failure to invest in North Minneapolis the way investments have occurred in other areas of this city, including the investment of a brand-new billion-dollar football stadium, including the investment in a, a, Commons, a park called Commons Park right across the street from the stadium. Those things are investments serve the city but don't necessarily serve us. Now, the Penn Avenue corridor, that's going to help serve our community. So we need to understand what's going on there and make sure we get our fair share of that work and our fair share of those jobs as they run that corridor down Penn Avenue. So um, I think I've over, taken way too much of your time. I hope I have been informative. Uh, so I would say stay tuned, and um, I will certainly be letting you know as these events occur, I hope you will cover them. hope you will participate in them. Both of you, all three of you moderators, have something to contribute contribute to the discussion. And I welcome your engagement. I welcome your involvement. And I so appreciate you uh, calling on me to provide this important information to the public. Um, uh, I'm prepared to answer any questions anyone might have. Great. Commentators, your mics are open. Okay. Thank you, Apostle. I have two questions, uh, Brother Bill, and I'm not sure you're going to be able to answer them on this show. And if not, of course, we reserve the right to be able to have you back again. Um, You brought up the $25 million site development plan that was being proposed, and right now the response from city officials, whomever they may be, is that uh, we don't have that kind of money right now for development. Um, you know, the questions I have, and again, you, you mentioned Penn Avenue, there's some things going on in Lindale. 
what do you need? What do you need as as an advocate for business in North Minneapolis? And you know how. And then the second thing is how can uh, these uh, council persons that are that are uh, vying for office right now, being in position, how can they help to meet those needs uh, of that community? Very simple. As I said before, the city has used its resources to help develop the football stadium, the renovation of Target Center, downtown. They've used those funds. Now, I want you to know, those are taxpayer funds. People of color, meaning all people of color, spend over $10 billion in this economy in Minnesota. African Americans contribute over $5 billion to this economy in their, in their resources. They pay over $500 million in taxes. That's a half billion dollars. That tax money goes to support the new stadium, the renovation of Target Field. So when you say invest $25 million in our community, and I'm told that's too heavy a lift, I'm looking at you like, um, uh, to be honest with you, it, uh, as my grandfather used to say, I almost made me lose my religion. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him and I said, oh, you think, do you think I'm ignorant? But I said, it's a matter of bonding. And there's no risk because you own the land. There's no risk. Hmm. If nothing came there. Now, we know businesses will relocate there because they want to be close to downtown and the freeways and the river. So it's not. Listen, wake up, community. North Minneapolis is a premium are you notice the demographics are changing? Do you understand that? Gentrification is occurring right in front of your nose. So we better be careful. We better hold on. Stay in our communities. Upgrade our businesses. Support our businesses. And bring economic development, the kind of things of, that that's why I'm so we're blessed. We should be holding up for our construction, for putting their headquarters there. And opening up that building, a $36 million building of their own investment money. Oh, they got some help from a few of the business community, but they put their own money there, and they've been putting their own money there. They do, up there, they, they, they do more business out of state than they do in state. And you tell me why that is. You tell me why they, they, they are not building state buildings. You tell me why they're not building county buildings. You tell me why they're not building university buildings. Because they hire their own people. And they invest in our community. Tell me why Tim Bell has got to fight to develop on Broad West Broadway his Satorum that's going to bring um, uh, upscale housing to Broadway. So we get uh, move some of our community people, some of our people who live in the suburbs back to the city because they want to have uh, upscale housing. What's wrong with them? Why does he have to struggle in the fight to get support? These are the things that are going on in our community. And when we don't get the political support from whether that's who will be mayor, who will be city council president, who will be representing the Fifth Ward, who represents downtown, those are key things. I'm talking about development of, of, of right on Broadway for the Satori Project by Mr. Baylor. I'm talking about the Thor Project at Plymouth and Penn, and the expansion of North Point. I'm talking, that's, a, that's got a $100 million development when you put all three together, the Thor, Estes, and, and, um, and uh, North Point. That's a $100 million development. Now, don't take my word. Go over there and see. They're achieving all their goals for minority participation. They're getting it there. They're subcontracting businesses to smaller minority-owned companies and women-owned companies. So they're showing what they can do, and they're invested in our community. We should be holding them up as examples, okay? That's what we should be doing. And, they, and to do that, they need the political support and the fact that they, these council people know. Blong Rang said what he said because he figures he's going to walk back into office because he knows we're either not going to show up and vote or we're going to split our vote. 
That's why he was arrogant enough to say it. He's no dummy. He was arrogant enough to say that to me because he, and he said to me, don't bet against me. Okay? But we need to show him. We dominate that. We're the largest concentration of, of people in, in the North Minneapolis, and we need to dominate that. And same place in other places out in the Eighth Ward. You got candidates out there. You got candidates, you said, in the sixth and the third. I wasn't aware of the candidates in the sixth and the third, but I'm sure they're outstanding. I'm glad to hear that you all have given them an opportunity and a forum to speak their piece. But they know if they're running for office, they should know. These are things about ranked choice voting that they should be telling you. Don't vote for my opponent second third. Vote for me only as number one, and that will help me get into office. So uh, with that, I, I hope that answers your question, Dr. Foreman, that these are the things that are happening right now, and that impacts our businesses to do it because they don't get the investment from the city. And it's the city council that makes those decisions. We live in a weak mayor, strong council. It's the city council votes that Baylor gets the opportunity to develop his project. It took the city council and the county and the university to get Thor coming together to do that. And that was because the agitation came from the community saying, yes, we want them to get the help. We want Thor to be here. We want North Point to be expanded. We want Estes to have a new home across the street. We want that company at 46 Point in Lindell. I went to Barb Johnson. She said, yes, we want those jobs there, and she supported it. And I went to, uh, um, uh, I went to uh, Barb about the 4640 Lindell, I mean 4500 Washington. She's all for it because she wants to see these jobs come to North Minneapolis. Unlike Councilman Yang, she supported the economic development. His ward, he told me $25 million was too heavy a lift. So I'm still through railing. I spoke the truth. I stand on that truth. Uh, and uh, I would just say we need, when we have these forms, and if, he should, if and when he shows up, he needs to be demanded that he respond to those questions. So I hope I've answered you, Dr. Foreman, because uh, yes, sir. You, stuck a, you stuck a button in my passion when you said that. <laughs> Uh, because uh, I feel like um, with what we contribute to this state in terms of our tax dollars and our, our cut with the money we spend in for our food, our groceries, our clothes, our automobiles, and our taxes, we deserve the same level of investment as any other community. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Bill. You have answered that thoroughly. Thank you. And, again, I'm sure our listening audience is clear now why we have to have the vote, how politics can impact business and can either usher the way for us to be able to create and develop the things that we're up to that are going to benefit our community, or they can stand in the way and try to impede those things. So uh, back to you, Apostle, for any uh, comments or close out, however you want to roll. Hmm. I, I am <laughs> – I can't wait to tweet. I'm, I'm just <laughs> – Exploding here, and I want to, I want to tweet this, um, and because uh, you know I don't, it's it's significant that this also uh, gets into social media. This dialogue here today. So, are we going to dub it business and politics, or politics and business? All right, Doctor Foreman, what do you think? Politics and business. All right, that's exactly it. So having heard the clarity, uh, Bill English, again, thank you for being so forthright and laying it on the table with no regards to uh, the vote for you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I said that because when we come to a point and we understand that not just holding the uh, the political structure uh, in its place the way it should be because they work for the people. We must remember that. We cannot recoil. We must remember that. They work 
for the people. We've had Commissioner Weathers. We'll get him back to the table on, uh, you know, coming up very soon here. And as he said, we work for the people. So that that knowledge is there. Uh, and, and so, but you just want to be very, very current on what you're bringing to the table. Articulate your question. Get your point across. Leave the profanity out of it. Leave the screaming and all of that out of it. Listen, we are intelligent people, and when you know you're right, you will function differently. And our children are watching us. They are the next generation of business entities, business leaders, etc. They're watching us. And it's very important that the climate is set and they are secured in the wisdom that they need to have. And they're getting it right here on this Monday Money Talk, uh, the business of black money. Lydia, you know how you take us out. So go ahead and um, uh, (laughs) let everyone know we've got to go now. And uh, Mr. Uh, English, thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. English, thank you so much for just saying it like it is, period. There's no better route to go. Uh, No sugar coating. Just put it out there and let people process it. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I want to say how much I appreciate the opportunity. More important, I want to congratulate you and say be blessed in the work that you all are doing in carrying, bringing information to the community and doing it in a way in which they can understand. So be blessed in your work. I will continue to pray for the success of your programming, and I will ask solicit your prayers for myself and my family, and I will pray for each of you and your families. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. All right, Dr. Foreman, you've got it. Take us out. Again, blessings, you heard it here on the business of Monday Money Talks, the black money team. It's important to make sure you've got the political structure, political uh, persons in place to be able to move your agenda ahead in business so that we can create that wealth keeping our money in the black. Let's go.